Okay, so our special guest today is Jonathan Butcher. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Crystal. Lovely to be here. It's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the horror genre. I mean, I've loved horror from day one, basically. Um, uh, my fact, my parents aren't exactly horror fans, but I was allowed to read like true crime from a very young age, and I was obsessed with like the Ghostbusters and Nightmare and some sort of kid-friendly mangas and stuff like that. And I remember when I was seven years old being banned from writing about monsters or ghosts for a whole term from one of my teachers. Um, and I remember writing on the blocks at school during there were like cement blocks around the grass uh, while the kids were playing football, I would just be writing about zombies and stuff. So it's a lifelong thing for me, to be honest. <laughs> I've only really been getting published for the last, um, I think eight years now, something like that. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been trying to write novels all the way through my teens and yeah, um, <laughs> it's yeah. always been part of my life. I've noticed you've got a new one coming out, a collection of stories. That's right. Um, that dropped uh, just yesterday, in fact, without any warning whatsoever. Um, I've been uh, getting published through indie um, publishers for a little while. Um, but my wife, who is also um, a horror author, as you know, um, only publishes herself. And yeah. I thought, well, I'll, I'll give that a bash. So yeah, this is the first time that I've ever published my own um, thing, you know, longer than just 10,000 words. And I even created the cover for myself as well. And that's, um, yeah, it's called Something Very Wrong, which is... Um, a very gruesome but fun um, and rather extreme body horror collection of nine stories with three brand new tales in it, um, three which have been published through the Evil Cookie in previous anthologies from them, and um, three others that are quite rare um, and not commonly seen. So yeah, that came out yesterday. Yeah, I saw that somebody had posted a review on Facebook giving it... Um a big thumbs up so that's fantastic yeah that was carrie carrie's awesome um so yeah good 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 start long may it continue yeah <laughs> <I guess> so. <laughs> so what's your pro so what's your process for developing a story so where where'd you get your ideas from that very much depends on the story um i work quite well with prompts um which is why i've loved writing for um k trap jones's anthologies as i just mentioned um they're always based around a theme so the first one that i did was bludgeon tools which was all tool themed stories um and as long as it's quite a a short piece which those ones always are three thousand words um yeah I, i'm just quite good at thinking of a slightly unique and odd way for me to use that prompt but other things yeah. have come about through you know life experiences um for some of my more serious stuff like what good girls do and what good men do um i've never been mistreated but unfortunately i've known people who have been um and they came from very angry places and needing to unleash a bit of psychic vengeance um yeah. whereas the less serious ones like chocolate man have just been a long-running joke with with my friends so you know they can come from anywhere really um I, i'm thankfully got to a point now where i've got loads of different stories that i'm looking forward to to writing so getting the ideas isn't isn't the problem it's just getting them out um and yeah. you know publishing them <laughs> fantastic so how do you go about creating compelling characters to stories um 
I think that characters are one of my strengths. I think I'm quite good at that. Um, probably because uh, the first story that I um, ever, sorry, the first novel that I ever got um, published was very, very character based. Um, I love like character based writing. One of my favourite authors is um, Irvin Welsh, who wrote Train Spotting, um, and his book Filth. Um, I think is one of the the greatest um, character studies of, of, for my tastes of the last sort of 20 or 30 years. I think that he lives and breathes his characters. And when I realized that, um, well, whenever that was 10 years ago, when I finished the children at the bottom of the garden, I think when I realized that you didn't just have to write a story as a, as a, um, an observer, you can get inside the heads of your characters, whether you're writing in first person perspective and saying I did this and I did that or third person and just talking about a character um, I like to really try and imagine how people might authentically behave in those in those situations um, yeah. I think the best sorts of stories come about directly from the characters um, I don't like to usually write stories where people are just reacting to events out of their control. I, I like it when um, it's it's very much the character's flaws and poor decisions that lead them towards these horrific situations rather than just chucking them into a, I don't know, a haunted house or somewhere filled with yeah. monsters or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just try to put myself in another character's shoes, whether it's a goodie or a baddie. They're both fun in different ways. So were you a plotter or a punter? Initially, I'm a pantser, and then once I know where the story's heading, I become a plotter. So, um, with Chocolate Man, for example, um, I I kind of always knew that I was going to probably write a longer version. That was it started off with a short story based on my character Kreb, um, and I, I kind of thought I've got to write a full novel about this. And it started off just with a scene um, with a, a young boy in a house. Um, and knowing that something dreadful has happened, but I didn't know what that was at that point. Um, and gradually I just felt my way around, um, the idea that this character had experienced something dreadful when they were young and it's impacted everything. The, you know, all of the characters around him, his whole family, um, are well aware of the trauma he's through. And I sort of felt my way in the dark, but then once I got maybe, two thirds of the way through something like yeah. that um i thought well that scene doesn't belong i'll delete that get rid of that and then knew exactly where i was heading and just wrote out brief summaries of what was going to happen in each of the chapters until i reached the end i feel it's a little bit too restrictive um to begin with to just think to myself I'm going to plot out every single scene and every single sequence because sometimes my characters make decisions that I didn't realize they were going to make. And if yeah. I try to guide them too firmly, then I lose that, you know, fluidity of, of, of the, um, the characters just being out, able to behave in the way that has become natural for them that I hadn't realized before I'd really got to know them. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds really fine. pretentious, but um, that's kind of how I feel about my characters. I do genuinely get to know them a bit. <laughs> so is there any sort of like themes or um, messages that you often explore in your work? Or if, you, if you're not intentionally do it, they end up in there anyway? <sighs> that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It, I, again, it kind of alters with the story um 
I think that what Good Girls Do has definitely got um, a message to it, though I wouldn't like to spell out exactly what that is because I, I think it's open to interpretation. But what started off as a book, um, as I said before, when I was just trying to create a character who'd been so terribly mistreated and then was going to take revenge on all those who had hurt her. That was the original idea. And I thought, brilliant, I can just, you know, I can hurt these awful, horrible people. And that'll be a really satisfying book to write. But as I wrote it, it became something I think more interesting than just a a typical vengeance story. Um, And I think despite the fact, as I say, I've never really been through genuine trauma. I've lived quite a blessed life. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how dreadful things change a person. You know, we're all just the, the, the sum of all of our experiences, you know, tied yeah, up with, right. yeah. Um, some, some genetic, you know, likelihoods and stuff like that. But generally speaking, everything that, that happens to us affects us in some way. And as a horror writer, yeah, I've definitely written about how, how trauma can, uh, can shape a person in various different ways. I did the same in Chocolate Man, even though it was a much sillier story, rather than about, you know, sex, slavery and trafficking, which is a very heavy, heavy subject. This was about yeah. a poo monster. <laughs> but I, I still, because <laughs> um, yeah, I'm quite childish, um, but I still managed to, to, to make it, I think, uh, to write it in a serious manner, even though there were silly sections in there and and it's a ridiculous idea at its core it was still very much about how terrible events you know can can shape people and and, and change them Um, and whether it's possible to you know escape that cycle or not so what's been the hardest part of writing a book for you in the horror genre originally finishing one genuinely um i as i say i've written stories since i was a kid um and throughout my teenage years um i tried to write and finish several books um but i was trying to write things that i just you know wasn't mature enough or experienced enough um to to deal with in a a convincing way and i wasn't a good enough writer so i think i attempt so i tried to write one that was basically it um but written you know by a 14 year old (laughs) british lad (laughs) um then i tried to write one about uh, astral projection and then i tried to write one about a drug addict and all of them reached about seventeen thousand words and then i realized i didn't know where it was going and i'd lost interest so the children at the bottom of the garden um is my longest novel and i I still think it's got some good writing in it. Um, I would write it differently now, probably a a shorter book, but it took 10 years to write that book um, because I wasn't able to find a story until then that interested me enough. The the, the only way that I was able to finish that book was by thinking, right, what things entertain and amuse me and what, what can I, you know, keep myself interested enough to, to write about for an entire novel. It was, it's a really ambitious book actually, cause there's like six or maybe even seven main characters. Um, and they each have their own separate chapters. Um, yeah. each of which is written in their voice essentially. So it's a big sprawling book. Um, so yeah, I would say that the biggest challenge that I've, I've ever faced was finding a novel that was interesting enough to fi- to finish really. <laughs> <laughs> So what's been the most 
difficult scene that you've ever had to write? Uh, well, there's two, there's two ways that um, I can kind of answer that. Um, w- one of them um, is the actual challenge of writing something because it's difficult. And I've just come out with a body horror collection, as I said. Um, yeah. And I think that body horror to write it well is actually really, really difficult because you're describing absolutely impossible events and you're not um, you're not relying on like archetypal fictional monsters. You're not talking about a drag. Like if I say dragon to you, you can picture a dragon. It might not be the dragon yeah. I picture, but you'll picture it. But if I, you know, describe some scene of, you know, distorting the human body in ways that it never has been before, um, I think it's really challenging to to write about that in a way that's vivid enough for the reader to picture it. Um, I can't really give an example of, of any of those scenes. Actually, no, a chocolate man. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to talk about ones in my most recent collection, but they, they'd all be quite spoilery. There is a scene in Chocolate Man where someone defecates out their entire skeleton. And if I say that, you know, you you might have some kind of cartoonish image in your brain. But when you think to yourself, right, I'm going to describe this absolute bizarre and horrendous image step by step and really break down the different stages of this horrendous thing. It's it's a real, real challenge. And I, I love that. So, yeah, so I would say body horror is really challenging to write. Um, But then the other interpretation, there was a scene in um, What Good Men Do, uh, the sequel to um, What Good Girls Do, that I knew was going to take place. And I was really dreading writing it because something um, absolutely awful um, happens to a character who I had grown quite fond of. Um, And I'm not going to give spoilers for it because it's quite a pivotal scene. But um, yeah, I I genuinely um, found it intimidating as I got closer and closer to it because by that point I'd stopped the pantsing and I was doing the plotting part. And I knew that this sequence was coming up in a a couple of chapters. Um, Thankfully, when I came down to write it, I managed to write it in a way that... um, I I think avoided exploitation. I knew there was the chance that I might annoy people with it because it was a scene of sexual violence. Um, So yeah, I definitely find some scenes like that to be quite troubling because I do find troubling subject matter to be really compelling and interesting to explore. Yeah. Is there any sort of like um, uh, subgenre that you wouldn't explore in horror? Well, because it's too extreme or because it sucks? Um, because it makes probably be, well, either. <laughs> or, or because it's sort of like um, would be an emotional, how can I describe it, too much for you? I don't think so because I've, I really dealt with that stuff um, head on in, in what good girls do. Um, as I say, I've never experienced it myself, but I've, I've been very close to people who've experienced terrible things. And it, it definitely was a way of me work, working through the anger in that. And I don't think there is anything that's that's more 
troubling than writing about you know child sexual slavery essentially so no i've yeah. got, i've kind of done the absolute worst of it so now you know anything else is probably going to be a walk in the park yeah a lot of authors have said the same thing though but they um they sort of write out what they've traumatized in their life as a way of trying to deal with it and as a little bit of therapy so it's uh i think it's a good way of doing it I think so too. I think horror allows us to face those um, those terrible um, events um, in a safe way or a relatively safe way. Because I know that you know people can be triggered by certain things, um, and you know if you have been through terrible experiences, then you definitely need to be careful with the sort of subject matter that you you know um, you read. But I I think for a lot of people. Um, I've had I've had messages from people saying that that, that they agree with this. It's a way of um, yeah, cope, coping and and safely facing those those fears and those those triggers. Yeah. So, have you had any memorable feedback from readers that have made a, an impact on for you, good or bad? Uh, well, the first seven lines of what good girls do um, made someone sick in their mouth um uh, made another person cry and this one i saw firsthand um ruined someone's entire day um so obviously that isn't the aim of a book but (laughs) to know that i'd written just seven lines that could have such a profound impact on people um as a horror writer, you don't really get better feedback than that. <laughs> you made me sick in about 10 seconds. Brilliant. <laughs> Whatever, you know, what what all horror authors want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had lo- lovely things um, said uh, other than that, but those ones definitely spring to mind when you ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got any exciting projects that you're currently working on that you can share? Um. I have one very exciting project I'm working on that I can't share, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully there will be um, the announcement pretty damn soon for that. Um, in other stuff, I'm really hoping to finish a book that I have struggled with for years Um and I started back in 2018 or maybe 2017 or something called Beast of the Earth. Um, which if I had pursued the way I was going to write it before, it's about extremism and terrorism essentially. Um, Mm. But it's like a horror novel about that. If I pursued it in the way before, I could be accused of all sorts of things. And I don't think I'm a good enough writer um, to, to tackle the subject in quite the same way. So I think I've found the way to unlock um, this, this story and I'm going to attempt for the first time NaNoWriMo, I'm going to try and finish an entire draft, even if it's rubbish, um, in just a month. So even though I've got this other project on the boil, that's the next thing that I'm going to do. Um, And I'm also, in a very different way, really excited um, to finish a book that I have um, plotted out, even though I said I'm generally a pantser, um, and written 20,000 words for. I just... Um, did a master's um, degree and um, this was my final project. I had to do the first 20,000 words um, of a uh, crime fiction book. And this is called, I don't really like this title yet, but it's called The Path Reader. Um, And it's about a a psychic escort. (laughs) Um, Right. 
<laughs> so yeah, the, my 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 character, um, Kane Kingshot, is able to um, read people's pasts and futures um, while he is ha- having sexual contact with them, um, and. He's become a bit of a local celebrity as a result of this because it's the first time anyone has ever really been able to prove that they can that they actually have psychic abilities, and he um, attracts the attention of some very shady people, um, and becomes embroiled in um, a disappearance case that involves yeah. um, the local gangland. Sounds intriguing. <laughs> So yeah, lots going on, lots of things that I'm looking forward to writing and and getting out there. Fantastic. So where can people find your books, Jonathan? Um, Amazon and Godless. Um, I haven't released um, my most recent collection through Godless just because I'm going to see how it does uh, using Kindle Unlimited, um, which yeah people can sign up for. But yeah, godless.com and Amazon um, are the two main places you can find my work. That's fantastic. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. So thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Crystal. That's brilliant. You're very welcome.